You're listening to the best of the day. Halford and Bruff. You're listening to Halford and Bruff. heard there's a lot of friction in that dressing room between some of the you know star players and then the rest of the team it's real clicky my best friend sister's boyfriend's brother's girlfriend heard from this guy who knows this kid is going with the girl who saw ferris pass out at 31 flavors last night good morning vancouver six o'clock on a thursday happy thursday everybody it is halford it is bruff it is sportsnet 650 we are coming to you live from the kintech studios in beautiful fairview slopes in vancouver Jason, good morning. Good morning. Uh, A-Dog, good morning. Good morning. And Laddie, good morning. And job well done on the intro. Thank you. Really nailed that gossip theme. Yeah, I I got my directive and... Way you went. Yeah. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. I said that we are coming to you live from the Kintec Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. This is the part of the show where Jason tells you all the awesome things about Kintech. I'm going to gossip about them. You are going to spread not I, falsehoods. I love the gossip. You're just going to spit truths. Uh, we are coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. What's happening on the program today, you may be asking. 7 o'clock, Joe O'Donnell is going to join us. Who's that, you might be asking. Uh, he is part of the Minnesota Wild broadcast. We'll be talking to him about tonight's opponent, Canucks Wild. 5 o'clock from Minnesota. So many questions to be asked on the Minnesota side of things. Three goal, three games so far, 20 goals allowed. Uh, we'll also talk uh, all Vancouver Canucks on the show as well. Frank Valley is going to join us at 7.30 and Batch is going to join us at 8. So it's another big hockey show. Uh, as I tell you what's happening on the program today, I also got to let you know uh, that tonight, Jason, is a very special night. Are you aware of this? Yeah, I know. And this is like kind of a holiday for you. There's only been 26 times in the history of mankind that we had a sports equinox. Do you guys all know what a sports equinox is? I know Jason doesn't even like it. Well, they're they're less rare than they used to be because of Thursday night football. <clears throat> Just the twenty sixth time in the history of mankind. Andy, do you know what the sports equinox is? Equinox. Laddie, do you know what the sports equinox is? Y- yes, because he told me before the show. Okay, so it's the day where you get all Big Four playing on the exact same day. Uh, NFL. Saints and Cardinals. That sure is a football game. I honestly, I'm kind of curious to see what the Cardinals look like after, because yeah. I'm like interested in their narrative more and more now after watching them against the Seahawks. So let's see what they look like. So there you go. You're emotionally invested or just kind of invested. I'm just kind of invested in seeing another disaster. I'm selling it too hard. Okay. Uh, Yankees Astros game two goes tonight as well. If you're a fan of the Hoopies, uh, season's two days underway, by the way. We have not talked about it a lot, but you got the Bucks and Sixers, Clippers. Ben Simmons looked good last night. Ooh, he had more <laughs> fouls than all of his counting stats combined, I think. That was bad. And then, finally, 12, count them 12, National Hockey League contests tonight, including the Canucks and the Wild. Also, um, 
Leeds is in action today against Leicester. That's the one I'll be focused on. The is most. there any Europa League action that you need no, to tell us about? All the international, sorry, the European, the continental tournaments uh, have been put aside for the week. It's is all there Premier pickleball? League. There's no pickleball. Then is it really an equinox? Next, you know what? <laughs> Touche, Andy. Touche. That's what's happening on the program today, boys. Let's not waste any more time. I want to talk gossip. Let's tell everybody what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. no. What happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? Missed that? You missed that? What happened? I don't want to talk too long and belabor this because I want to cede the microphone to Jason Bruff. If there's one thing Jason loves in life, it's gossip. I love the gossip. Also his family and everything else. But gossip. Mostly gossip. So we've reached the point in the Canucks season, which I remind you, it's four games old. <laughs> four games old. Where we've already run through three of the tradition and time-honored things that happen to a team that's in tailspin. So we already had... The players-only meeting. Right. That's yeah. a great one, right? Okay. That's where they're like, mm-hmm. you, Daryl Sutter, get out of here. And then they lock the door with some sort of garbage can, and they have the players-only meeting. In this case, replace Daryl Sutter with Bruce Boudreaux. I don't think they actually locked him out. Then you have the much-publicized uh, healthy scratch. Mm-hmm. It's either like a guy that's struggling or it's a veteran. In this case, it was Connor Garland. Yeah. So there's two, two things down. Yesterday... The hat trick was complete, my friends, because we got the divisions in the room gossip. I love it. Divisions uh, in the room. I love the gossip. Um, now, remind me, who do we hear this from and how do we hear this? Uh, Colby Cohen, who, despite these two idiots' thoughts, is not an extra from the OC. He's a former <laughs> NHL player. Are we sure? Yeah. They're like, who's Colby Cohen? Well, extra guys. from the OC. Yeah, it sounds like a regular character. Actually. <laughs> yeah, actually, at least a recurring role. Yeah. That's right. He's Seth's nerdy friend. Um, so uh, he was on. Colby, you gotta stop the drinking, man. No, man, just let me do it. I don't have anything to live for. <laughs> I guess we won't be having Colby going on the show. Probably not. Although that was a reach to begin with. <laughs> Anyway. He's a former NHL. I was going to say. I was going to say. We only get current ones. Anyway. Um, Colby Cohen is now following a successful acting and NHL career. Uh, He is now the color guy for the Chicago Blackhawks. He works on their broadcast. He went on Daily Faceoffs podcast with Frank Saravalli yesterday. And Frank and Colby started off the show the way many hockey shows have started off lately. What the hell is going on with the Vancouver Canucks? Frank just went, okay, Colby, dish. Yeah. Give me all the deets. Yeah. And then he smoked a cigarette while he was like, ooh, this is so good. He didn't do that. Um, So Colby Cohen, I'm not going to connect the dots yet. Let's just listen to the audio and then start, you know, doing the, the scatter plot board on the whiteboard thing, trying to figure out where the conspiracies come from. Regardless, here is Colby Cohen, Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, color analyst on the Daily Faceoff podcast talking about the divisions in the Canucks room. You can be fragile as a team and you start looking around, guys start blaming each other. Um, they obviously have a good goaltender, but you know, I've heard there's a lot of friction in that dressing room between some of the, you know, star players and then the rest of the team. It's real clicky uh, in that dressing room. You know, the way that they're promoting players, particularly on their social media channels. And just everything that I hear coming out of that dressing room, Frank, it seems really dysfunctional at the moment. So, um, 
where did that begin? come from? Where to begin? Well, like I didn't have, I didn't have Colby Cohen dropping that nugget and sending uh, Canucks Twitter into overdrive. I mean, the obvious candidate is the guy that just got traded to Chicago. You're connecting some dots now, aren't you? Well, I mean, as soon as I as soon as I saw that, I was like, kind of like, what is Jason Dickinson just going around telling everyone? All the Canucks, like, dirty laundry or something They like didn't that. even have to ask. He's like, hi, I'm Jason Dickinson. I'm new here. Do you want to hear stuff about the Canucks? It's almost like it's, like, too obvious. Like, there's got to be another candidate. That's true. Maybe like- maybe Connor Garland was so upset about being healthy scratched that he's like, I'm going to tell a guy in Chicago how upset I am about this, mm-hmm. and then uh, everyone will think it's Jason Dickinson. Right. I mean, he's got the perfect foil there. For, like, <laughs> it's like you ever watch the first 48 and they think they've got the suspect right off the bat because mm. it just seems so obvious. He's like, he was hanging outside the 7-Eleven. It's got to be him. And then they realize it goes deeper. I don't know if that's the case here, but there's let's put it this way. There's a few candidates that I could say might be the, the source of the leaks. Also, the leak itself is hilarious. Yeah, maybe it's Nate Schmidt. Yeah, who knows, right? Still, still causing trouble. Yeah, he's just Braden like, Holtby. You guys want to hear some stuff? I don't know. Uh, the interesting thing I thought was what was up with, uh, Colby Cohen talking about the way the team is promoting its players on the social media. Like, what was that? When I heard that, I I thought two things. Number one, what? Like, do players even know what's going on on social media? Like with the team accounts, et cetera, et cetera. I guess they would if they, if they have to do anything special for it. Like, oh, we need you for this or whatever. Um, but the second thought was, wow, that's pretty specific. Like that's specific news. Yes. That isn't that isn't just like, oh, I heard some stuff like about the Canucks. Like it almost gives this report as gossipy as it is, some credibility. Does that make sense? Yeah. So let me unpack this with kind of what I know without spilling the tea too much. Not in this situation, but situations in the past that I've heard of. Okay, wait a minute. Let me say this. Dish. Dish. <laughs> It is so good to talk to you. Um, okay, where to begin? The social media thing, the players don't see it uh, upon execution on social media. They see it when the team's internal marketing team is setting it up. When they pull a player aside or they've got a bunch of cameras focused on okay. one particular guy. So that, that's where they see it. They're not following along. Like, so who's you? been getting a lot of the love on the Canucks social media? In this particular instance, I don't know. You could go back and look at all their social media channels over the last two weeks and maybe deduce or infer for yourself. But I know that there have been past instances where... Is it Andy's favorite pra- player, Andre Kuzmenko? That's, now we're dishing. That's, <laughs> now that's we're dishing. tearing this team apart. They because were speaking of... over high T and there were rumors <laughs> flying left, right, and center about it. <laughs> could it be the service dog that was getting a lot of love? Are they jealous of him? <laughs> Connor, was it you? No, it was that Jason Dickinson. He just got traded. See, so uh, I've been, I have been told in past instances that certain players have risen to, risen to prominence on social media. They've either trended mm-hmm. or they've kind of become meme-ish. And you know how social media works. Uh, not only do you jump on top of those trends right away, you also like just push as much content as possible because you know that the shelf life is very minimal. It's also right? the new players that typically get the most love because they're the Bright, shiny toys, right? Correct. That's another part of this, right? Yeah. It's like, hey, look, here's a new guy that we don't know a lot about. Let's put him on camera. Maybe he'll say something funny. But, God, if they're worried about that, if they're worried. Here's the thing. Uh, if there's any worry, any concern whatsoever about the players who are being publicized by the team's social media account, 
And again, this complaint, like normally you'd be like, if you heard that from your buddy, you'd be like, nah, no, no. But like, that's a pretty specific complaint that you hear Mm -hmm. from a guy who was in the NHL that you imagine has some connections that would actually have some legit connections to the Canucks room. So someone is complaining about that, right? Like, that's weird to me, man. It's not to me. Here's the thing. Uh, Pettiness within a group goes on probably more than anyone would like to admit. And this is the kind of stuff that doesn't get out when you're on a good team, but gets out when you're on a bad team that's struggling. What's going, what's auto playing right now? Something in the studio. Can you guys hear it? Can everybody hear it? Yeah, I can, I can hear that. Are the TVs on? I don't know. There's some weird autoplay going on. I think it's done now though. Ready? Let's hear silence. No, it wasn't mine. I, I fixed mine. I punched it in the speaker. It doesn't make noise anymore. Okay. That's how you deal with it. So to reiterate what I was saying there, um, I think that there's petty divisions in any like you you cannot like I don't think even the, the most cohesive get along best group of friends team doesn't have moments where they're sniping each other like I hate you like we we sure. do it sometimes yeah, yeah, yeah. here right so to all the guys on my beer league team let me tell you yeah exactly right like there's do like, not care for any of you when there's a sub group chat where you cut certain guys out of the group chat so you can yeah. talk about them and those all exist <laughs> I had eight of them. I know that they exist, right? It's like well, know, there's ones that don't involve you too. Yeah, right? and, and I know you don't, you don't know about those, but they exist. There's there's like eight different ones that are like we hate Mike, and that's just the headline. <laughs> and I'm like, that's fine. I know that that exists. When you're winning and things are okay, those don't get brought up. When you're losing and everything is spiteful and petty, those things get brought up. The real question here is, does any of this matter? That's the big boiling question, right? Because at first glance, you'd be like, I think it might matter. This mm-hmm. doesn't sound good. Yeah. It doesn't sound good at all. I mean, the pettiness of it almost is the point. Yeah. If they're worried about that, you start to wonder, what is this room like right now? Mm-hmm. Suffice to say, with everything that's going on around the Canucks, whether you believe this gossip or not, uh, the Canucks could really use a win tonight. Mm-hmm. Really use a win. It's almost unimaginable given the importance uh, the franchise put on the start to the season, that they would return to Rogers Arena after a five-game road trip for their home opener on Saturday against the Buffalo Sabres without a win. That, that to me, like when we talked about what would you be happy with on this road trip, and we said, you know what, two and three might be acceptable because you know you got a good team in Edmonton, a good team in Minnesota, you got a back-to-back situation if you can get a win maybe in Philly and Washington – and as long as everyone as long as you play well, you know, fine, we're not going to nitpick a 2 and 3 start, right? Mm-hmm. But the way that they are winless so far, everyone knows blowing multi-goal leads. If they lose again tonight in Minnesota, and Minnesota will be the favorite in this game. Yes. Even though Minnesota is winless and we'll talk about the Wild later. Um if they return home for their home opener against Buffalo on Saturday, I've seen a lot of Canucks receptions, you know, like the, the reception the Canucks get from the fans. I actually don't know what kind of reception they would get. Would it be, I mean, I know it would be on edge. Yes. But it is the home opener, so fans are still going to be excited about going to the game, and they're going to be excited that there's another regular season starting, and, I, and I'm sure there will be some kind of extra goodies presented by, like, in the arena. There will be a, a beer garden. 
Okay, there's a, there's a beer garden outside the arena. There will be a new intro video. Like, they usually give a little extra for the home opener. But if the team comes in there without a win, and there's all the stuff surrounding the team, like, how quickly does the fan base turn on them within that arena? Now, I think the damage on this road trip, for the most part, has already been done. But... You can go into the game on Saturday with a little bit of momentum if you have a good effort, and most importantly, just get a win tonight, guys. Like yep. you, you, you know, one three and one isn't great. Oh four and one is so much worse. It is really. I mean, I, I get exactly what you're saying. Like the damage has been done on this trip for sure, without question. But there is an opportunity on the horizon, and it begins at five o'clock tonight in Minnesota to make things. Less crappy as you head home. By the way, on the subject of that home opener, uh, Beer Garden outside Rogers Arena, five to six. It's happy hour, Jason. So you, you like a good ha- you love gossip and you love happy hours. I'm going to Elton John, buddy. I know, but so that's my Saturday but, night. Oh, you could do this. Pre- you could pregame Elton John mm-hmm. with a happy hour outside the Canucks game. What a combo! Also, how about this? You've mentioned numerous times how much you liked the pregame video and ceremony last year. Mm-hmm. It was really the theatrical release that they did. How well done it was! Mm-hmm. They've announced the name of the new opening video for the Canucks: Power Rising. Power Rising. Power Ooh. Rising. Power Rising. The name alone okay. makes me want to watch. Sounds political. A little bit. Um, a lot of people are texting in and saying Sat Shaw already debunked. The social media part of the story, Gary the Atheist, Sat mentioned on Connects Talk that he reached out last night and there's nothing to the social media point. Did 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 we think that the Connects were going to be like, oh yeah, that was pretty accurate? 100% confirmed. <laughs> Tip yeah. a cap to you, Colby Cohen. <laughs> How did he know? Jim, yeah. brother, Jim brother was like, he got us. Well done. Well played. Well, I don't know who Sat reached out to. So I don't, I don't want to just sit there and say like Sat's report means nothing. No, no. Colby Cohen said one thing. We reiterated that on the yeah. air. Sat said something else. We reiterated that on the air. That's all we mm-hmm. can do, right? We're not like quote unquote journalists. We don't have quote unquote sources. I'm air quoting everything right yeah. now. But, but okay. Uh, I think the larger point here too is that everybody is talking about the Vancouver Canucks right now. Can we just get that across? Like, part of the story here isn't what Colby Cohen said. It's that Colby Cohen, who now is a first-name, last-name guy. Uh, Colby Cohen was one of the many people talking about this team. Because when you set NHL history by becoming the first team ever to blow four consecutive multi-goal leads, you tend to get a lot of attention. Now, it's negative attention, which we don't like. We don't want to draw negative attention to ourselves. Mm -hmm. But regardless... You have to acknowledge that everyone is talking about him. Someone else that was talking about the Vancouver Canucks yesterday was a former Vancouver Canuck, Yannick Hansen. And I know you were listening to this while he was on Sportsnet 650 yesterday, your home of the Vancouver Canucks. He's such a good analyst because he's um, he's got the credibility that we obviously don't have because we've never been in an NHL dressing room before. We've never played in the NHL. We've been we've never, in one. We've never accomplished anything in life. Uh, we're failures. Uh, sorry, where was I? Keep going. Just focus. Uh, so he's got that uh, going for him. Um, uh, and, he, and he played for, for a, a recent good Canucks team. So he knows what a good team looks like. Like he He's seen it. He's been part of it. He's been on the inside. And also you can tell. Yannick Hansen still watches the Canucks. He still follows sure. the Canucks. Sometimes, let's be honest, you get some of these former athletes that have been out of the game for a few years, you bring them on to tell some old stories, 
and you kind of want to go like, hey, man, do you even watch hockey anymore? Mm-hmm. Right? Because they don't know which players are where, you know, the Canucks, like, they'll they'll kind of rehash the same old, same old stories. Yeah. You're, you're like, oh, okay, I can tell that you're not exactly dialed in. Canucks, tell us some stories yeah. about the old times, Canucks, right? Canucks got to get a little tougher, am I right? That's, yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Things like that. You can tell it's a little bit different with Yannick Hansen. So I think everyone um, listens in when Yannick Hansen talks. And he was asked one question that I thought was really interesting. He was asked, what are these players-only meetings like? Because that's something that these former players can tell you about because they've been there. I had no idea what a players-only meeting would look like. Like, I don't – There's no coaches. It's only players. Thank you. But like, what is it a, uh, you know, is it just like, I could see it being, maybe the captain just makes a speech or something like that, or the leadership group makes a speech, but it sounds like quite often, and I'm not saying that this was the players only meeting the other night, um, for the Canucks, but it sounds like quite often it's a calling guys out session like it's like it's the leaders of the team going like hey like you specifically Mm -hmm. you got to stop this and i'm not saying everyone like teams up on one guy and they like sacrifice him or anything like that but like that's a good meeting that would be a good meeting it's like (laughs) but but here's what yannick hansen had to say um i think he was asked how many players meeting players only meetings he was he was a part of during his nhl career yeah, reality hits real quick. Uh, normally, you kind of have a okay touchy feel with a 500, uh, maybe a game above, a game below, uh, five, six, seven, eight games into the season, kind of get your footing. But but right now, it uh, I sense panic, sheer panic, to be honest. Okay, that wasn't the right clip. You got the right one here. It says uh, it should be uh, just uh, Yannick players meeting or something along those lines. Okay, we'll have to find that later. Uh, he basically said, though, that it's the uh, uh, guys hold each other accountable. Yes. That is interesting, though, that he he senses sheer panic from the Canucks. Yeah, I was like, well, maybe we should let this clip roll. Uh, I, You know, I'm sure that the players' meetings that they had back in the day, especially in 2011, uh, we're probably significantly different because the the expectations were higher, the standards were different. But at the end of the day, um, all of it kind of comes back to the same thing, right? Accountability, and it's it's a buzzword that gets thrown around a lot. And everyone's like, "You got to be held accountable. You got to be accountable." What does it actually mean, tangibly, on the ice? And if I had to guess, with a little bit of knowledge behind it, it's exactly what you were talking about. This is the time when nobody else is around except the players where you can actually point at a guy and say, you're not holding up your end of the bargain and it's costing us out there, right? No coaches, just players, no media, probably no trainers. It's just the guys in the room saying, this is where you can actually call somebody out. Mm -hmm. You're not going to do it in the media. You're not going to go out to your stall and say, oh, number 42 needs to do something better out there. This is an all honesty hour right now. Yeah, right? But it's also... At the highest levels, the highest levels where you've got elite athletes and elite competitors, you can do that because, one, you know that all the guys in the room have a certain talent level. They're Mm -hmm. all NHL players, right? They all have the capabilities to do pretty good things night after night on the ice. You also know that there's got to be a standard where, and it almost comes down to like a sink or swim mentality. It's like, if you can't handle this, 
Maybe we can't bring you along for the ride. Maybe you're not going to be a ride or die. I said it two days in a row. Damn it. Do we have the Yannick Hansen clip now? We do. Here's Yannick Hansen on what a meeting might look like. A coach can only come in and yell so much. Um, at the end, it boils down to the guys in the room, and they're the ones that steps on the ice. Those are the ones that can win the game. And it's that simple. Um, and again, when we were having issues, um, it wasn't one or two people who did this for us. Uh, it might have been the Sedins on the ice um, or, or whoever it might be. Um, but, but in the dressing room, it was a leadership group, whether it was Burke, Hess, uh, Bieksa, Luongo, or, or any of these guys uh, with a bigger voice that would stand up and, and hold guys accountable. Um, that that's probably one of the most important part, uh, holding holding each other accountable to what we know we can do, how we can perform, and how we can play. So I imagine a lot of that, a lot of the time, it's you know that there's a there's probably some conflict in these players only meetings, and things might even get shouty mm-hmm. <laughs> and a little bit. Oh yeah, well what about you? Kind of thing. And then hopefully if you have a good leadership group, the meeting ends on a positive note. Like, all right, we've cleared the air here. We've had our family fight mm-hmm. in front of everyone. Now let's come together and figure this out. And tonight would be a great time to figure things out for the Vancouver Canucks. The road trip has not gone well. When they return home to Vancouver, they will not say that was a go- good road trip, even if they get a win tonight in Minnesota. But... Again, the thought of this season and the importance of the start of the season. And you've got this five-game road trip, and we've been talking about this five-game road trip for a long time, ever since the schedule came out. Ooh, that'll be interesting, right? Mm -hmm. The thought of them going winless on that road trip before returning home for their home opener, I I didn't even consider (laughs) that possibility. I was like, until today. I honestly no. No, well, I know. I, I know. started too about three games into this road trip. I'm like, oh my god! Like, what if they don't win a game on this this road trip? Like, that's going to be a bad scene. You play Buffalo, and I think Carolina is the next team to come visit. Like, that's a good team. Yep. In Carolina, right? And the the people that are saying like, oh, they got they got to they got to avoid the, a slow start. I'm like, guys, they've already had a slow start. Like the the hole is already a few feet deep that they've started to dig, right? Like it's it's there. There is a hole right now. Yes, they're already in it. It's not super deep. It's not impossible to climb out of. But they have already started digging that hole. Uh, we got another segment coming up on the other side that we can talk a little Canucks on. We'll go into the Dunbar Lumber text line. Uh, 7 o'clock, is it Frank Valley? No, 7 o'clock is going to be Joe O'Donnell from okay. the Minnesota Wild broadcast. We'll talk to him about a Minnesota Wild team that has allowed 20 goals in its first three games. 20! And then, of course, 7.30, Frank Valley. 8 o'clock, Brendan Bachelor is going to join us. Well, Frank was the guy that was chatting with uh, Cohen, right? So Colby Cohen. Colby Cohen. Yes. I want to call him Andy Cohen. You can. Yeah. That's fine. It was Seth. So Seth. Seth Cohen. Yeah. Seth Cohen. Any Cohen. Sethi. Frank was a guy that was chatting with Colby Cohen, so uh, I'm sure Frank will have some additional gossip (laughs) to throw onto the gossipy radio show. I feel like you're setting him up here. Frank, you want a dish, bud? You want a dish? Oh, I want a dish. And guys, did you see what he was wearing? (laughs) Oh, my God. Frank's going to come on and be like, I actually have nothing else to add, but since we're on the gossip tip. You know what else we can do on the other side? Everyone feels pressure to to add to add to the yeah. gossip, right? Well, and right? Every, you know how I said like everybody's talking about this team right now. Mm-hmm. So we had Colby Cohen, 
a.k.a. Seth Cohen, a.k.a. Andy Cohen. We had Yannick Hansen. Jim Rutherford had to speak publicly. He spoke to IMAC and Dollywall yesterday. And Frege. Frege was even talking about the Canucks as well, talking about whether they're already in line to make a change or not. So there are lots of people talking about this beleaguered hockey squadron. We will continue talking about them as well. That's on the other side. Don't go anywhere. It's the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. This is the best of Halford and Bruff. Download the full show through Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the best of the day. Halford and Bruff. You know, I've heard there's a lot of friction in that dressing room between some of the, you know, star players and then the rest of the team. It's real clicky uh, in that dressing room. You know, the way that they're promoting players, particularly on their social media channels and just everything that I hear coming out of that dressing room, Frank, it seems really dysfunctional at the moment. 7.33 on a Thursday, Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. That voice you heard was Colby Cohen from the Chicago Blackhawks broadcast team. He was a guest on Frank Saravalli's Daily Faceoff podcast yesterday, uh, courtesy audio there from them. Thank you very much. Frank's going to join us in just a second here. Uh, before we get to Frank, I need to tell you that Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are also brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling. <clears throat> North Star! You're welcome. Uh, North Star Metal Recycling. They recycle, you get paid. Visit them at 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. To the phone lines we go, as mentioned. Frank Saravalli now on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. What up, Frank? How's it going? Good morning, boys. How are you? We're good, thanks. What did you think when you heard Colby Cohen relaying that anecdote about the, the rife strife in the Canucks room uh, yesterday on the DFO podcast? My jaw was a little bit on the floor. I wasn't expecting it at all. Um, it wasn't any anything that we talked about pre-show or any prep that went into it. So I was definitely surprised to hear it. And um, yeah, I think it's interesting. Like when you have a start like this and your coach is critical of your team being mentally weak and there's, you know, rumblings about, you know, dissatisfaction. Like, I think it just speaks to the pressure that this team's under, like teams that, you know, let's not kid ourselves. There are probably teams out there that are off to fantastic starts where there is some friction or strife in their dressing room that we just never hear of. And I think sometimes it's one of those situations where, um, you know, maybe we start to hear more and more from a Vancouver team that struggled to start. Um, a lot of people in Vancouver who don't like hearing this sort of stuff uh, push back and said, well, what does the Chicago Blackhawks reporter know about the Vancouver Canucks um what is your understanding on that question um well I mean he played in the NHL has a lot of friends that play in the NHL I'm sure they talk um that's you know sort of the idea that I would have is that clearly if he's saying it he's getting it from someone that he trusts that's either in the room or or knows people that are in the room and that's that's what he's hearing what did you make of the whole social media part of his comments like the Canucks were, I don't, I, I don't know, I have the exact quote there, but he was talking about the promotion of players on social media. Halford's got the quote here. Uh, the way that they're promoting. Yeah, I should have asked about that to have him explain it because I don't know the answer. Yeah, so the, the quote was the way that they're promoting players, particularly on their social media channels. So that's an interesting one I, as well. Yeah, I, I cannot answer that one. I don't know the answer to that. Um, yeah, no clue. 
So the interesting thing about the Canucks right now is that we've talked about they've had the players-only meeting, right? That's a, mm-hmm. a sign that things aren't good uh, on the club. They've already had the very prominent scratch of a notable veteran, and that was a big thing with Connor Garland getting dropped from the lineup the other night. Now you get the, the, the discord and lack of harmony in the room stuff coming out. You know, it doesn't seem great from an outside perspective with the optics, but this is also uh, a management group and an organization now, and I know this from hearing stuff both firsthand and anecdotally. Uh, you know, they want to close ranks. They want to seal up leaks. They don't want a lot of stuff getting out there. So I can only imagine how much pressure there must be on everybody at every different level of this organization right now with the losing, what people are talking about the team, what they're probably trying to keep in-house, and then, oh, yeah, by the way, trying to get things sorted out on the ice. When you explained all that, I was sitting here going like, man, there's not a lot of empty spaces left on the bingo card. <laughs> like, we're almost at the BI, we're at the BIN, we're just waiting on the GO. Yeah. Um, and, and what happens when you get to GO, I don't know. But um, look, the pressure is real and mostly for this reason that, you know, I think fans were upset about the sort of relative lack of change of this team. And you, you couple that with a team that knows that they can't let this season spiral the way that last season did. And, and you add it up and it's, and then it's, it's not just the losses. It's the way the losses have happened. Like had they lost all these in, you know, one goal games or an overtime or whatever it may have been, you're probably looking at this differently than having multi-goal leads in all four games, right? Like it, it'd probably be a different sense. Um, and so it's, it's a tough picture right now. Like it, it just is. There's no sugarcoating it with the start that the Canucks are off to. And I think it's fair to say that everyone is feeling that pressure players on up to, to turn that around and to get back to the level that they were playing at for the last 56 games last year. And and in fact, not just get there, but increase upon that because there's no guarantee that the 56 game pace that they played out last year would have been enough for a playoff spot regardless. Um, I want to get to a bunch of the injury news here as well. There were some pretty significant ones yesterday, but one of them was in Toronto with Jake Muzzin going on IR with a neck injury. So as we kind of, you know, transition from the Vancouver dysfunction to the Toronto dysfunction yesterday, the two big stories out of the Toronto market were that a very valuable defenseman who's been incredibly injury prone over the last couple of years is injured once again. That's not good. And then Sheldon Keefe, for reasons kind of unbeknownst to Jason and I, felt the need to walk back what I don't even consider a criticism of his elite players. It was more just a very accurate observation. It was a criticism. But, it was a criticism. <laughs> I mean, I put criticism in quotes. It in the, let's put it that way. Regardless, uh, the fact that he needed to walk that back, did that raise any eyebrows from you? Or is that just sort of like, yeah, he made a mistake, and now he's just kind of owning up to it? Like, literally six minutes ago, I just hung up doing Sportsnet Fan 590, <laughs> okay. Okay. and that's all we talked about for a half hour was those comments. <laughs> And how my point was, in an attempt to really turn down the temperature, he probably increased it a little bit by feeling the need to walk it back. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, J.D. Bunkett, the host, was asking me, like, well, why is, is that a signal of a coach that's walking on eggshells? And I don't know the answer to that. I don't, I don't get any sense that he is. Um, but it probably speaks a little bit to maybe some of the fragility that exists there based on that team's sort of lack of, of playoff success in big moments and a team that's already feeling a little bit of pressure in the first you know week of the season, a different pressure probably than Canucks, but pressure nonetheless. 
um, to really right the ship. And so, it, you know, I agree. Like, I listened to those comments, and I thought maybe they were – they were a little aggressive, but I don't know that you need to sit there and walk it back because it, it's honest, it was passionate, and it was true. So I, I, that maybe is the surprising part. It's not so much that he said it, but it's that he felt the need to maybe apologize for it, and what does that say overall? Uh, we mentioned the injury on defense to Muzzin. He wasn't the only notable blue liner that went down with injury yesterday. Aaron Eckblad in Florida goes on long-term injured reserve with a lower body injury. Uh, and it's a guy that has had health issues over the last few years. Two seasons ago, it was just 35 games played. Last year, it was just 61. And now he's gonna he's on LTIR, so he's going to miss either 24 days or 10 games. So another significant chunk of time missed. Um, now remember, this is a team that traded Mackenzie Weger in the – uh, Kachuk Huberdo trade, so they lost a defenseman there. Now they lose another one for a significant period of time. What's the long term outlook here? I know Bill Zito came out and said that they're not happy about this at all. It's a blow for sure. Yeah, look, it's it, they're going to be appointment television for the next number of weeks with their back end. I mean, so Uyghur is gone, and now Ekblad's out, and you're replacing those two guys with Lucas Carlson and Matt Kierstead. And by the way, you said goodbye to Ben Sherratt. Right. Who you traded your unprotected first round pick for right. last year. So this is a tough spot for the Florida Panthers. And and I saw the jokes on social media yesterday saying, Oh, Paul Maurice, he's used to having high powered forwards and a weak back end. He'll be fine. Um, from his time in, in Winnipeg, and, and I thought that was worthy of a chuckle, but in all seriousness, what's even tougher for the Florida Panthers is that they're in a spot where they can't really do anything to replace Aaron Eckblad in the short term. These guys are largely going to be it unless there's a small um, sort of stopgap addition that's made with a guy that makes league minimum or in that neighborhood because they don't have the cap space to do it. And given that they need to account for Aaron Eckblad to then come off of LTIR in a somewhat short period of time, I saw a report out there that it's a grade two groin strain, and I do believe that to be accurate. This is not like an Achilles tear that he's going to be missing six months for and they can bring him back for the playoffs. This is uh, one of those injuries that's a soft tissue thing that it might be six weeks, whatever it is, and they're going to have to grin and bear it until then. So what's going on with Jacob Chikrin? Seems like quite a few teams could be interested in his services at this point. Well, yeah, I mean, look, there's no shortage of teams that are interested, but I'll tell you what, they're curious to see what level he's playing at because – he has missed some time right. and he is working his way back. It was really an unbelievable quote from Andre Tournier. Um, <laughs> it was maybe the most hockey quote ever. I saw Arpen Basu tweeted it about Chikorin saying he's about a week away from being day to day. And I was like, wow, that, <laughs> that is something. Um, but in all seriousness, they want to see what level he's at. Does he, is, is he back to the 18 goal in, in 56 uh, game shortened season Jacob Chikorin or is he more along the guy the line of the guy that we saw last year where wasn't quite at that level and and probably didn't justify the the high asking price for him so you know their GM and Bill Armstrong has made it really clear you know to Jacob Chikorin they've had a few conversations about it you playing at your best can help this situation move forward um, and so I think he's another guy that there's going to be a lot of focus on here over the next couple of weeks to see whether he can get back to that level. So Frank, at the border board of governors meeting, a bit of a surprise that Gary Bettman came out and said, actually, 
Revenues are so good that the salary cap might go up significantly for next season. We'd assumed it was only going to go up a million bucks, and then the two seasons after that, then it would maybe have some significant growth. Um, what it, it, were they just? Did their estimates change in terms of revenue? Or I mean, there is some wiggle room in how they set the salary cap. And I was wondering if there might be some pressure on the league from general managers or even owners to be like, hey, like, you got to give us some wiggle room. We want to make changes to this team, but we can't do it. I'm glad you asked about that because I've been wondering the same thing. Um, Is there enough heat put on from the actual board of governors themselves to increase the salary cap that, you know, perhaps you know, they're willing to change their tune on, on this memorandum of understanding. I don't believe that to be the case. Knowing the hard line that some of these owners drove, and particularly with Gary Bettman, were not happy with the way that this deal um, was ironed out during the pandemic. They wanted their money right up front. They didn't have to want to wait three years in order to get repaid for the money that they had shelled out. Um, so some of them weren't happy then. And I, I think there was, you know, maybe some discord uh, behind the scenes that factored into it. But I just don't see the NHL going back on, on a written contract and saying, well, you know, it would be better for the game if we increase the cap by $4 million bucks this year as opposed to waiting one more year. They made it clear again at the Board of Governors meeting that if this debt is not paid off in full, that it's only a $1 million increase. But what's been fascinating to answer the first part of your question is, their revenue last season ex- exceeded expectations. They were pro- they were hoping to be obviously north of 4.8 billion, which is where they were pre-pandemic, and they were hoping they could get to five. And the last I heard was they got to 5.2. Now it's been some rough calculating on my part because you're not privy to the exact numbers, but I think they need to be somewhere in the 5.5 range in order to retire all of that debt. So. We'll see. I mean, there's a lot to bank on there because the Canadian dollar, as I've monitored it in the last few weeks, has gotten a little bit weaker. And you're also dealing with an economic issue slash crisis here, you know, that people are they have less disposable income. Inflation's high. You know, you look around to some Canadian teams around the league already to start. They're not selling out games uh, consistently. So. Um, certainly a little bit of an eyebrow at that, that maybe the projection they don't ultimately hit, but that's what they're striving for. Uh, we're speaking to Frank Saravalli from Daily Faceoff here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Another injury of note from yesterday, Frank. Uh, the captain of the reigning Stanley Cup champion Colorado Avalanche, Gabriel Landeskog, out 12 weeks after knee surgery. Now, he must have a bunch of time last year with a knee issue as well, so that's a concern. I guess the other concern is that that's an awfully long time to be without a very productive guy up front when this is another team that, due to the flat cap in the offseason, they lost a guy like Nazem Kadri for nothing last season. Now, I was listening to Merrick yesterday drive around the car, and he's been you know, pushing this. I wonder which team is going to get in on the Patrick Kane sweepstakes and try and get him in as a rental, and Colorado sure would make sense. But it doesn't seem to line up financially with LTIR and everything now. Um, are they just going to have to grin and bear this and get through the next 12 weeks without Landeskog? I think so. I mean, look, it's it's three months. So what you're looking at is sometime around January, the all-star break that he'll be back. It's, a team called me yesterday. We were just, you know, kibitzing on the phone. And they said, hey, do you think there's any chance the abs pull the old, uh, you know, we're going to keep you out until the playoffs kind of thing? And I was like, 
from January to April? Like, that's a long time to go without Gabriel Landeskog. You mentioned missing Kadri. That's one. But also missing Burakovsky is another. And right. so this team is – they've got some work to do. You know, it's, it maybe isn't going to come as easily. And, you know, you look at their start, it's been impressive, and they've found a way to, you know um, – Put, put some guys in the lineup that I think are, are really going to have some opportunity. Alex Newhook being one. And, um, you know, you heard their coach and in, in Jared Bednar raving about Martin Cout and the, the game that he had, uh, you know, there's opportunity there and, and they have some talented young players that just on other normal teams would have already gotten a shot um, that aren't as stacked. And so this is an opening and I'm curious to see who punches through it and, and beats that door down and, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to watch all this play out because they also have the change in net, right? Like it's almost, right, right. Um, you know, swapping out um, Kemper for, for Fran- uh, Georgiev is – there's a lot of change there. So they've got some work to do, and, and uh, it's going to be interesting. Uh, so just to put the bow on this conversation, uh, I went to Daily Faceoff, which is the best to find out who's playing with who with the pairings and the lines and everything. After we talked about Ekblad, and I went and looked at the Florida Panthers blue line as currently constructed. My God, you weren't kidding. This is this is one of the more anonymous no. blue lines. I thought they had it rough in Vancouver the last few days, but this is something else in Florida. They are going to be hard-pressed this life without Ekblad. And I guess Montour is banged up now, too. So, yeah, definitely something to monitor. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Frank, thanks for doing Montour this. Montour is, oh, is back within days. So, they will get a little bit of a, a shot in the arm. He probably even could have played last game. But you're right. I mean, like, this is – it's not good. And to to borrow a phrase from uh, a famous coach, Tech 7, like, they, they're going to be a, a threat at both ends of the X. <laughs> Frank, good stuff. Uh, thanks for doing this. We'll talk next week. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Thanks. Frank Saravalli from Daily Faceoff here on the Alfred and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Did you look at the defense? Do you know it? Because I would quiz you. I'd do one of those who he play for things. Uh, I don't know these guys, but here's the thing. Um, I'm also not I'm not a scout, and I don't watch the HL. You know, like we were laughing at Blankenberg's name the other day in Columbus, and then he looked pretty good to me, right? Paul Colson learned his name. Blankenberg. Blankenberg. A 24-year-old right? undrafted free You agent. look good, right? Um, the good organizations find defensemen, right? We'll, we'll see if the Panthers have Mark, found Mark some. Mark Stahl. They got Mark Stahl playing for them. Josh Mahura. He's a guy. Matt Kirstead. It's uh, Gustav Forsling. Yeah. We all know him. Radko Gudis. Lucas Carlson. Uh, Sam from Lake Couch and doesn't like it when I play the I don't know who he is, therefore he can't be any good line. Yeah. I, I stand but by that's that fair. assessment. But that's no, fair. That's, if I don't know who he is, he's not good at hockey. That's Yeah, easy. but maybe you just don't know much anymore. No, I know enough. That's how I know if a player is good. I text Mike and say, do you know this guy? It happened in our rec soccer league as I got older. <laughs> is it was like, if I knew who the guy was, it means that he was good. And if I didn't know who he was, it means he couldn't have been any good because mm. I knew everyone. But then I got old. Yeah. And there was a whole new generation Well, maybe out. you're getting old as a media guy. No, I, I know Matt Kirstead is... Number three. Yeah, because you're on Daily Faceoff right now and looking at it. Don't tell them my secrets. Uh, Brendan Batchelor is going to join us next. We'll preview tonight's Canucks Wild game. Um, There are some questions looming ahead of this game. Like, will Connor Garland be a healthy scratch again? Oh, boy, if he is. I doubt he will be. Doesn't feel like you'd keep him out of the lineup, especially if – 
you know, especially since the Canucks didn't actually, you know, win that game in Columbus. <laughs> it didn't help them get the win. Uh, there are a few candidates, I would imagine, to be the healthy scratch if Connor Garland is back in. I'm sure we get a few votes in the Dunbar Lumber text line for Tanner Pearson. Yep. I wonder, though, if they might go with a younger player like Kuzmenko. You mean social media star Andre Kuzmenko? <laughs> Uh, Kuzmenko was on a line with Mikheyev and Miller in the last game, and that line did not look good. No. That line was out there for quite a few goals against. Um, I, I, I could see that happening. Who knows, though, right? Like, And on, on defense, right? Is it going to be the same defense? Will Kyle Burrows be scratched again? Is Jack Rathbone ever going to get into a game with the Canucks? Because this road trip is over. He hasn't played. We've seen a bunch of defensemen. We haven't seen Jack Rathbone. And if he doesn't play tonight, like, just come home and send him to the AHL. Yeah, like, what's the point? Like, he's not going to get any – like, there, there's already an issue. And Jim Rutherford kind of acknowledged, like, he needs to play soon uh, in his interview with IMAX. So it's not like the Canucks are unaware of this. But, I mean, one of the issues that Jack Rathbone has had over the last few years is he hasn't played enough hockey, whether it's been pandemic-related or um, – you know, I don't know if it was, yeah, like pandemic-related or injury-related. He had some injury issues last year that didn't allow him to play a full season in the AHL. He still played quite a few games and played well, but he needs to play more. He needs to play a lot of games. It's, you know, repetition, repetition, repetition for Jack Rathbone. So either have him in the NHL lineup or have him in the lineup down in the AHL. I'm sure Jack Rathbone's agent or his representative is being like, uh, what's going on with my client? I would say this is very counterintuitive to his growth and maturation as a player. Not playing hockey? I feel like it's counterintuitive yeah. to getting better at it. So we'll talk to Brendan Boucher about that. Again, this is, this is a big game for the Canucks. Right? Until they win one. Big game <laughs> okay. for the, well, that, in that and same, it's a big win for the Minnesota Wild. Yeah, it's, it's So big, this big. this game, if this game doesn't have intensity, there's something wrong with both teams, unless only one of them is intense. The Wild are going to be the, the betting favorites in this one. I think most people had higher expectations for this Wild team than they did for the Vancouver Canucks. The Wild are at home. They've had two days off. Since their last game, a loss to the Colorado Avalanche, they had a full day off, then a full practice. Again, they're at home. The Canucks have been tr playing games. They've been traveling. The Wild are the favorites in this one, which means if the Canucks, if the betting lines are right and the Canucks don't win this one, it would be a five-game road trip without a win. But we're not there yet because if the Canucks can win this one, at the very least, bring something positive to their home opener Saturday against the Buffalo Sabres. This team desperately needs it. Uh, Brandon Batchelor, play-by-play voice of these Vancouver Canucks, joins us next. Stick around. You're going to want to hear it. We're also doing what we learned in the final hour as well. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. This is the best of Halford and Bruff. Download the full show through Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.